Good evening. My name is Curry Hicks Sage, the host of the UMass Basketball Podcast, and tonight we're talking football here. My guest is going to be with us in a moment. I'm looking forward to having him, but before we jump in with the episode, our football preview for UMass this season, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Five College Movers. Are you moving? Are you moving anywhere? Are you going? Are you? Are you? Maybe? Maybe you're a high school kid who listens to the show, and you're moving to UMass. Maybe you are bringing a little extra stuff. Five College Movers has you covered. Great crew, highly regarded. They will take good care of you. Check them out online. FiveCollegeMovers.com. Big friends of the show. Big friends of the program. And we are going to be working with them a bit moving forward. So spread the word. They support the pod. You should support them. And I hope you enjoy the episode. UMass fans on your tweets and make some noise for your podcaster. Well, can you believe what's going on in the Atlantic 10 today? Oh, I remember man. when Penn State was in the Atlantic 10. <laughs> and he rips him down, he puts him in his seat, and he looks at him and goes, that was fucking hilarious, but you really just got to shut up. I think I'd rather die in nuclear war than go to Olympia. <laughs> All right, tonight... We're talking UMass football, and there's no better person to do it than the great Zach is God on Twitter. Zach Emery, University of Massachusetts, class of 2008, lives in New Jersey, high school football player in New Jersey, may have gone on to Division Three glory, but instead became a diehard UMass football fan instead. Unclear which of those is a more dubious enterprise. Nonetheless, we are thrilled to have him. Two weeks after we actually first started recording this episode and had a whole host of technical glitches, namely because I forgot to actually record him. Thankfully, he took care of that on his own. We send it off to some other people to dice it up. Bennett got a hold of it. And lo and behold, this is the final product. Enjoy it and go UMass. The biggest UMass football fan out there who is not an alum of U.S. football itself or otherwise directly connected with the program. He is a 2008 graduate of the University of Massachusetts. He and I actually share a birthday, literally <laughs> birthday and year. We first met, well, we first met probably on Twitter, really, but then we first, our first time meeting was at the Fordham UMass Hoops game in 2017. No, yeah. 2018. Uh, yes, right. Yep. Winter of 18. Then we hung out again at the BC UMass football game. And maybe we've crossed paths once more. But uh, I've followed your stuff for a while. You're not – you don't you've, – you've written about the team on message boards and on Twitter and not in any formal journalistic fashion, but you are, like me, a diehard Howard Stern fan and appreciate audio as a medium so we share a lot of similarities and you know I wanted to get at one point I was thinking maybe I'll get Mike Trainey from 24-7 UMass 
uh, you know, the, the site on the show, Fight Mass, or no, what is it? It's, uh, yeah, Fight Massachusetts, 247. Yeah, because he's, like, official and legit, and we'll get him on at some point, but i got to be honest, I know you, and I kind of like the vibe of getting, like, just the... Crazy people. The more reckless <laughs> man, less and less people who, you know, don't fancy themselves quite so officially, which is not an insult to Mike. He does a really great job with that site. It's just, I, especially with a new coach and kind of, like, they're being so many unknowns, I kind of like the, just, I like episodes like this because it's a, it's a, it's a take-based episode and, uh, where you can just freely let loose and you don't have to be accountable for anything you say. I mean, that's really our whole show for me, Canada. But anyway, <laughs> at this time, it is uh, my great pleasure to welcome Zach Emery, a.k.a. Zach is God on Twitter. Firstly, Zach, welcome aboard. How did you get the handle Zach is God? I mean, it's a little, it's a little <laughs> impressive. Hey now, Sage. It's good talking to you. Um, let's see. Zach has got, uh, that actually goes back to, uh, an old, old middle school, uh, inside joke where, uh, I did not, my parents would not buy me a video game console. So I would go play video games at everybody else's house and I was terrible. And, uh, I think it was 007, you know, that video game on N64. You had to, cre- you had to create By the way, I, my parents wouldn't buy me a console either, and I just never became a gamer. I had, I've never played video games. So I was terrible, so I said, you know what, I'm just going to create the little screen name on here as uh, Zach is God on James Bond 007, and I would just lose and get killed most the time. So it was a little inside joke. So. It stuck. It stuck. All right, I like that. Okay, so you're from New Jersey originally. Yep. You presumably were not a UMass football fan until you came to UMass in 2000, the fall of 2004, correct? Correct. Uh, the only I knew a little bit about UMass football uh, because uh, being from North Jersey, there was a couple guys, uh, Marcel Ship from Passaic County Tech, who came up to UMass, won the 98 uh, national championship with, with Whipple. Uh, and then after that, there was actually a, a, a guy named Laron Ankle who played running back at UMass for like a year or two. He was from my hometown. And he, what's, your, what's your hometown? Uh, Glenrock, New Jersey. So uh, Glenrock, New Jersey, over near Patterson. Uh, our big rival growing up was uh, Patterson Catholic, which no more is, is no longer exists. Is that exists. Passaic County? Sorry, is that Passaic County? Uh, Burton County, and then it's right on the border with Passaic County. So you cross the river, you're in Patterson, and uh, Patterson Catholic was right across the river from us, and they don't exist anymore. But that's the home of uh, Victor Cruz, uh, who was uh, we played against a lot growing up. So. Now, is that by, did you guys play a, a Lakeland High School? Uh, we played, uh, let's see, we played, Fra- uh, well, there was Franklin Lakes, but they went to Ramapo High School. Uh, and let's see, there's, uh, Mountain no, Lakes, not Lakeland. Lakeland is in, is in, um, Ringwood, New Jersey. We did not play Lakeland, no. That's we... where my wife went to high school. Okay. That's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> they sucked, uh, but anyway. But yeah, I wasn't, I didn't really, so I wasn't a huge, uh, UMass, I just knew him a little bit, and, uh, I ended up coming to UMass, and right from the get-go, I was like, I want to go watch some football, and it was coming off a year where they had lost the Colgate in this crazy snow game, uh, in the playoffs, and, uh, Colgate was back in McGurk, and this is back when you could actually, the student section, the maroon platoon, was in the end zone, the north end zone, uh, with little tiny bleachers, 
and it was just a madhouse. I mean, everybody was sneaking in drinks and beer and. <laughs> it was a short-lived experiment. I feel like that was only a year or two where they did that. They, they still had grass. So it was when they still had grass on the field. I think my junior year was the first year with turf. And they got rid of the, the stands on the field because they didn't want us, obviously, ruining the uh, nice new turf. So I think it was freshman and sophomore year was was the grass bleachers. Uh, and that was uh, interesting. It was fun. <laughs> So basically, the, the Liam Cohn era is when you're in school, yep. for the most part. But, you know, Alark was there, some, some good times. You messed pretty good. But you, you know, you're, you're, you played high school football, right? Yes. Yep. Decent? Were you uh, good? Yeah, all league uh, offensive lineman, defensive end. Had a couple uh, opportunities to go play D3 ball. Actually, at Bamford's, uh, it ended up being a, a, a decision between UMass or going to play football at Ithaca College, uh, Bamford's home. Uh, Good D3 football program, though. Yes, the Bombers, yeah. And they have a legendary, a legendary game to end the season against Cortland for the jug, the quarter <laughs> jug, I think. Yep, I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah, so I ended like 12, up... 12, 15,000 people in that game. One of my buddies played lacrosse. Actually, when I was at this wedding in Hawaii, my buddy, he's, he played lacrosse in Ithaca. But uh, anyway, keep going. Yeah, so I ended up uh, deciding to come and just watch football, uh, and uh, yeah, my passion for, I was a huge FCS guy, man, I was I was all in on FCS when I was at UMass, I was, you know, big proponent of uh, FCS football, and, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of uh, obviously changed my tune, uh, and uh, I think if somebody wanted to go back far enough on the internet, you could find me saying I think it's a bad move to move to FBS. But, uh... That's okay. Let me just stop right there. Yeah. The idea of... Already, I'm intrigued by you because you are a 18, 19-year-old kid who's from New Jersey, who's all in on FCS football from the jump, which, like... If you just think about it for a second, we all, we've talked on this show at, at great length about all of the, the various challenges associated with cultivating and maintaining a serious football fan base at UMass, given everything that's going on with football, you know, in the Northeast and, 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 and the product not being that popular and the fact that everybody's a Pats fan. And, and so, you know, generating interest in, in low-level FBS football is hard enough, much less FCS. You enter campus and you're just like, yeah, I'm all in on FCS football. Like, what does that do to you? Just like socially, like, what are what is the reaction from your 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 freshman floor mates who are like, you know, you know, just to the fact that you were engaged in this? Uh, you know, well, I was lucky enough that uh, most of the uh, the kids on our floor were big sports fans, uh, and we were in Southwest, so it was a pretty quick walk over to the stadium. Uh, and I, I probably got them more into it than they originally were. Uh, you know, I might have been a, a <laughs> pushing them a little bit to come. Uh, but, uh, you know, the whole thing with FCS at the time, at least that I was pushing, was, you know, you got the, you got the playoffs. And the playoffs, you had, you know, uh, an opportunity to, uh, you know, really win a championship uh, every year. Um, but just, you know, the economics, once you start looking at it, uh, it really, you know, we were losing money with no opportunity to even really break even. Um, and, and, 
and it was it was it was going it was going south. We were going to end up like a URI. Uh, and, you know, I, I think Bob said, kind of said similar things on your last podcast. And, and it was a decision that was, was made. And I, and I, you know, at first was hesitant. But, you know, looking at everything and, and seeing now, you know, uh, the money they can bring in at, for a buy game compared to what an FCS team, uh, you know, can, uh, it's just, you know, money-wise, it just wasn't going to keep uh, working. You could have ended up like a, a Hofstra. Who had a brand. Yeah, 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 you don't have to make the case about it, because I'm, I'm for it. I'm just still, still trying to get back to 2004 and understanding, like, are you looking at, you know, uh, the Montana message board before the UMass Montana game in 2006? Oh, oh, yeah. how, how, how into it are you? Do you go to the uh, <laughs> 06 final? I did. I went to the 06 final. I was actually, I was still into it that uh, I was on a, a message board at the time. Uh, that actually was one of the three kind of prominent polls for FCS football. These, uh, it was a message board. It was, it was the, it was the, I think the press, the coaches poll, and then they had this, uh, message board called Any Given Saturday. I was just gonna say Any Given Saturday, I remember that. Any Given Saturday. And I, I had one of the votes, uh, in the top 25 poll. Uh, I was that much into I did, I, I skipped finals. Went to the national championship game down in Chattanooga. We drove down um, and partied in the parking lot uh, with some other UMass guys, uh, Brian Law, and a bunch of his buddies that took an RV down. Um, so yeah, we were we we were way into it. <laughs> and and that game, there was like, if I recall correctly, App State had probably ninety five percent of the crowd. Oh, absolutely! It was it was they only four four hours from there. I mean, it was like it was. It was probably, you know, exactly, 90, 95% App State fans, maybe 5% UMass fans, and that place was packed. That was the closest I, I think, you know, I, I've been to going to a, a, a bowl game with my team in it. I mean, it was, it was, uh, unbelievable atmosphere, uh, and, uh, App State had a, a, a heck of a team. I was at, Armani Edwards. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, the next year they beat Michigan. Yeah, yep, they did. I remember listening to that on the radio, coming home from the, one of the UMass games. Came over from the UMass game, heard during the game they were announcing the scores at McGurk, came home, turned on the App State radio, and listened to the App State Michigan end of the game on the App State radio. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I actually, we, we went to a bar. I was in college at the time, um, and we went, heard it and we went to a bar right away to to uh watch it. It was awesome. Anyway, um where else did you go? Any other any other road venues that you traveled to during college? Oh, during college I uh, went down to JMU. Uh wow. yeah, that that was a good one. Um uh, that that place is also another heck of an FCS program that they've done down there with that whole new stadium. Um at the time I the stadium hadn't been redone yet, but um I mean, that's just, I'm shocked that they haven't jumped yet. I mean, I know there's been talk here and there, and they had the offer from the Sun Belt and they turned it down. But, uh, you know, James Madison was another, that was, those are always good games, UMass James Madison. So you, you drove, drove all the way down there with friends from UMass? Yeah. Yeah, my sister went to school there. So, oh, okay. Yep, so we drove down. You know who else went to JMU at the, that era? Uh, PFT commenter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did not know that. For Barstool fans and uh, <laughs> comedy fans in general. He played rugby. Anyway, um, okay, so you did JMU. You 
you went to some you went to some others, I presume too. Yeah, I went to uh, I think Hofstra one game. I uh, went to a um, well, went to Boston College when we played Boston College. We almost won. Liam, almost that was a great game. That, that was, was incredible. He was like undefeated for a while. Yeah, they were they were ranked in the top ten, and uh, that was Matt Ryan, and that was Matt Ryan's worst game that entire season. Uh, we, we really, uh, were prepared for that game and, uh, almost beat them. <laughs> yeah, it was like 24-14, maybe. It was yeah, like we lost by 10. Yeah. UMass was up pretty late. It was, it was a legit game. Yeah. Alright, let's, let's transition for a little. We've, we've established your fan bona fides. <laughs> uh, I don't think they're, is it bona fides or bona fides? I actually think it's bona fides, but we say bona fides. Right, we do it a little American version. Yeah. So, um, you, um, were a proponent of Whip getting the boot, you know, probably like me, reluctantly. Yeah. I mean, you know, it wasn't like you were rooting for it, but you, you thought it was the right move, correct? Yeah, I thought it was the right move. Uh, it was time. Unfortunately, you know, uh, they gave him an opportunity to turn around. He got close, and it was, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And, and with, you know, he was... He's getting up there in age, and, and you know, there's some things I think uh, started kind of slipping through the cracks the last couple of years, and he had a couple chances where it really looked like this is going to be the year, um, and just some bad, some bad losses early in what, seasons. What do you think slipped through the cracks? Because for me, it was always, it was the thing I would always say with with Whip, like for the last. Four years, really, that I right. kept saying was like, he just didn't seem to have the, the edge, the urgency that you need to be, to, to go from a four-win team to a six or seven-win team, and every single week, you're like, alright, well, like, they, they score early, or they, they take the lead, or and they just find ways to lose games, and often, and then this past year, it was in blowout fashion, and you're just right. like, this football team consistently did not seem prepared, did not really seem like they gave enough of a fuck, and they just lacked focus at times to the point where, like, what felt like close games would just quickly, you know, metastasize and just become blowouts. And it was like, boy, it didn't feel like a talent thing, and it didn't even feel like, it wasn't like the locker room felt like it was, was not connected to the guy, and it was good kids. It just felt like, there just was something missing, like, and I could never put my finger on it, but it was the same shit every single week. What, what was it for you that, that he was, that was falling through the cracks, as you said? I, I think it was the preparation, it's like, like you said. I think that the other coaches uh, were more prepared for the games than he was. You gotta remember, a lot of these games we played was against teams we had played the previous year, and it didn't seem to me that he made the correct adjustments or preparations to, you know, get ahead of the other coaches. And it put us, you know, in spots where we get down and then he'd lose the team. You know, it was like you get down, the guys would start getting all on top of each other, he'd start getting on top of guys, and it just seemed to, you know, really, you know, the anticipation seemed to be we're going to be fine and we're going to win this game, we're going to win this game early. Uh, and, and listen, when they did, when they did get up early, you know, they, they typically, you know, played a good game. 
but when they started getting down, and, and yeah, it would get bad fast. It would get bad fast. It would, and and it seemed to be that there was a, a lot of a, a give up uh, sometimes. And uh, unfortunately, that's that's on coaches in terms of preparation. I mean, it's uh, it's just, it was it was frustrating to watch. It was frustrating to watch because you knew you had talent, and the, and and really, if you had made the right adjustments and preparations, these are games that should have been won. And and that's clearly why he, you know, I had heard rumblings before last season started that, you know, there was kind of a deal where, uh, you know, if you don't go 500, um, you know, you're stepping down. Uh, so it's, uh, it was kind of, you know, once they got to that level where there was already, you know, oh, we can't get to 500, I think it even got worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you're, you know, I'm just looking back at the scores right now, and, and it really did feel like, you know, every week was the same shit. So you look, you know, obviously you pull out Duquesne opening here, and then Georgia Southern, 34-13. FIU, that game I felt like was close for about three seconds, and then somehow you look, and FIU's got 63 points. <laughs> if UMass handles Charlotte, they blow them out, and then they come home to play Ohio, and that's like one of those barn burners. But mm-hmm. then you get... Then, then it's 58-42. The next week, South Florida, 58-42. Right. Right. And then, you know, and, then, and then I think for me, the breaking point was the Coastal Carolina game. Like, yes. that was where you're just, they only lost 24-13. You're just like, there's no, there's no, like, this This is hopeless. Why you, know? you, you, you know, when they lost against Coastal Carolina the year before, you're like, that holy was, that cow. Was Oh, that was way worse. This Coastal Carolina's first game, moving up to FBS, uh, you know, and then just the next year, you're like, all right, well, you know, we'll be ready this time, you know, and then it's like, no, right, right like, not. Oh, right, 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 and that was after, if I'm not mistaken, was that, okay, no, no, who did you mass open with in 17 before the Coastal Carolina game? Uh, 17. 16 was Florida. Uh, Hawaii, right? We lost, yes. yes Hawaii. Yes, Hawaii okay, was the okay. close. It was the close game against Hawaii at McGurk yeah. uh, that we had the lead. Yes, and they blew that lead. They lost yeah. like 38 35. So they, yeah. It's all like these games totally fucking blur. They yeah. lose by three. And then you're like, all right, well, it's a tough loss. But like, if they can just bounce back against like this shitty, this shitty new FC, you know, FBS team, like, they'll right. be okay. And they just got smoked. And, like, that was, for me, the first moment where I was like, oh, like, he's got to go. Right. And then, of course, they go 0-6. Oh, yeah, and the, the old Dominion game was just, I mean, I, yeah. that's that's the one I got kicked out of. <laughs> before we get to go to the dig, before, yeah, like, tell us, like, why you got kicked out of a game. <laughs> All right, well, the old Dominion game, 2017, uh, it was going horribly. Uh, at half, it was just a really low scoring. We looked like crap. We, we really should have been blowing Old Dominion out. Um, and it was a, a, a hit right at the end of half, uh, where the, the Old Dominion hit the Ford in the head, and he got knocked out of the game. And they didn't call the helmet to helmet. And Whipple lost it. It was right before half. At halftime, he grabbed the refs. So the refs were delayed on the field at halftime because Whipple was screaming at them about this missed call on Ford's head. Well, I was walking to the bathrooms all the way over in the south end zone that you have to walk a half a mile to. And because the refs were delayed, they come running out uh, later than they usually would. 
uh, and I'm already kind of close to the bathrooms, which is right next to the referee's entrance for their locker room. And I start screaming at the referees about missing this call on Ford. And, and, and you know, I probably, you know, uh, said some unkind words. And obscenity-laced tirade, <laughs> perhaps, full of Yeah, perhaps. And out of nowhere, I did not see the police officer uh, who escorts the refs to the locker room, but uh, out of nowhere, he grabbed me by my neck, <laughs> collar, and uh, and says, you are out of here. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, I'm going to the bathroom, I'm going to the bathroom. And he goes, no, you are out. And drags me to the exit right next to the bathrooms and turns to the security guy and says, uh, this guy's out of here. Do not let him back in. And I said, all right, I'm leaving. So I had to go walk to the whole other side of the stadium to get to my car, to go drive back to New Jersey. And as I'm walking towards the other side of the stadium, a security guard comes sprinting out of the north entrance towards me. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm already out. And the guy comes right up to my face, goes, you cannot come back in. And I said, I'm going to my car. I'm not coming back in. So I, I said, you know, I probably could have changed my shirt and hat and, and, and gotten back in or whatever, I you know, in the car. <laughs> and uh, I was like, that's not worth it. So I called. Did you, did you just drive home right then and there? No. So I actually, so I did think about trying to walk back in. So I actually was sitting in the car. For, I said, oh, my shit. I just want to interrupt real quick. <laughs> you got to be a fucking lunatic <laughs> into McGurk to see the <laughs> old Dominion. So, so I, I decided this was a bad idea. It's not worth getting arrested over. So I called my friends who were still up in the stands. I said, can you grab my stuff? I still had my stuff. I had a, a seat cushion. I had whatever. I had like a sweater. I had all the up in the, in the stands. So they're like, what happened? I said, I got kicked out. And they didn't believe me. And I was like, no, really. I said, just grab my stuff. I'll catch up next game. And I waited uh, to the end of the third quarter. And I was listening on the radio. And it, it was uh, clearly apparent we were not coming back. So... I, I left, I think, uh, half, halfway into the fourth quarter and started driving back to New Jersey. Damn, that is... <laughs> that's a story. Yeah. All right, I don't even know what... Like, oh, yeah, we were, so we're talking about this. At what so point, Whipple? Whipple, yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, it was it's it's, it's over. He's he, he made the right decision stepping down, um, kind of forced step down. Um, you know, we ended up fine in the deal. He got the job at Pittsburgh. Uh, we, I, what I understand, I think Josh Walfish, uh, tweeted out today that the, the deal for Pittsburgh kind of took away the rest of the money we owed him. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it seems we worked yeah, out. Both, all parties are better off. But that, I was just going to point out that, so they, so that after that old Dominion game, they go and they lose uh, in a pretty like well fought game at Temple. This is 17. 17. And then, and then damn near beat Tennessee. Yeah. Then come, then come home, give up. 58 points against Ohio, lose 58-50. So they're 0-6 at this point. And what's crazy, and this gets to the famous story of UMass was undefeated in October, which remains maybe my favorite UMass Twitter meme of all time. But what happened is people forget uh, the South Florida game, because of like a hurricane or something, gets canceled. And at that time, South Florida was, like, 21 in the country. Yeah. It got canceled, actually, earlier. This, I think the hurricane was actually uh, in, like, September. Oh, right. But right, they, right, right, they, right. they wanted to play UConn the day that we were supposed to play them. 
So, so we scheduled our game with them to later in the year. Well, we know we we made a deal with FIU to finish the season against FIU because they had a game canceled because of the same hurricane. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, regardless, yeah. the game is canceled. Right. And I note that because the, the Ohio game was on September 30th, so they're they're not even into October, and UMass is 0 and 6. And you're at that point, you're like, maybe you fire Whipple mid-season. Right. Yep. But because you're like, well, you have bye weeks, whatever. So then they end up getting effectively three weeks off because that South Florida game was canceled after the bye week. So they come home and they blow out Georgia Southern by 35. Then they beat App State in overtime. They damn near beat Mississippi State on the road. Up at half. And then and then they beat Maine at, at home to end the season at Fenway. So that saves Whipple's job. But the funny part about and then he Well, BYU, B- BYU game saves his job. Uh, right. And that's right. And they beat BYU in the road. Yeah. So they end up, you know, four and whatever, and they lose to FIU to end the year, but you're still, like, kind of encouraged. But the funny thing is, if that South Florida game doesn't happen, I mean, it does happen, let's say. Right. Uh, there's, in my mind, it doesn't matter what happens from that point on. I don't think Whipple um, was back for 18. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, well, there was always the question of the money. Uh, yeah. There was always the question of the money and what could, we could afford to do. Uh, so that, I, you know, but yes, if, if, if they lost to South Florida or Owen said, I don't know if they, I don't know if they, I don't think at that point, okay, so even if they come home and beat Georgia Southern, right. I don't think the momentum carries over into an app state no. win, and then, and then, like, maybe you beat Maine, and, like, that's, so you're two and ten or whatever, so. Right. But anyway. Yeah. The, the Whipple era is over. Let's, let's, let's look forward. Yeah, 20, 2018 was just an utter disappointment all around. Yeah, we're going to pretend that didn't happen, as yep. we do with a lot of seasons in UMass sports history. Yep. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's, so, so in, I guess, December, um, Walt Bell, a Matthew McConaughey-sounding <laughs> 30-something Southern firecracker is hired. Right. And we know he's a hell of a recruiter. That's his reputation. But... And I got to do this because, look, like, I don't, I'm not just a homer on this show, and I, I'm giving them that benefit of the doubt, and I like the hire. But let's quickly address a little bit of the skepticism surrounding Bell from primarily non UMass supporters. Right. And that is that he left Florida State after one disastrous season as the offensive coordinator, that many people, in fairness, don't put fully on him, but that right. has raised question marks among Florida State fans, many of whom are were proponents of him leaving. Um, others, but you know, others are fair and they say, look, like the guy dealt with a bunch of different quarterbacks. It was a first year yeah. coach. So first of all, like, let's just hear your take on, or, or actually, if you could for the for the audience. Give us a, an overview of what the skepticism from some in the college football world is with regard to, to Bell and his reasons for departing FSU. Right. So, I mean, it goes, you gotta go, with Bell, you gotta go back to Arkansas State, right? So that's when, uh, you know, he really started his offense coordinator, uh, kind of, you know, history. And, uh, that's when Bamford says he, you know, started getting on his radar. 
Uh, and great job. Arkansas State, I think, was like a, a, a top 30, 40 offense in the FBS the couple years he was there. Uh, it, you know, pumps him up to the job at Maryland. Uh, goes to Maryland, starts recruiting awesome from all, you know, aspects of what people, you know, have been reporting is that he was, you know, a great recruiter at Maryland. Gets a kind of raw deal in Maryland with, uh, his last year there, uh, with three quarterbacks going down in the season, uh, and ends up with a four stringer running his offense. So Maryland had a, uh, a tough year. Uh, but in his defense, he did have, if I recall, a really solid, First year at Maryland? Yes. He? Yes, he did. Yeah. Yep. He had a solid first year. Uh, then the second year with all the injuries and whatnot. But they, they listen, they still, you know, uh, competed. And, uh, you know, so they got him to the job at, at, at Florida State. Now, I, you know, there's been some talk whether or not he was promised that he could play, call, call plays at Florida State. And then he wasn't allowed to call plays. And then at the end of the season, he was allowed to call plays. So, you know, there was some stuff there with, uh, you know, him not being so happy, from what I understand, at Florida State with how things went uh, and <laughs> and how whether or not he was allowed to actually run what he wanted to run, uh, you know. And that, and that was the first year post Jimbo. Right, this is Taggart. So Willie Taggart comes over, uh, is head coach of Florida State, and you know he's calling the offense. And now decimated offensive line. I mean, absolutely decimated offensive line that was on, like, third stringers, uh, freshmen. I mean, it, from what I've read, they're going to have a whole new offensive line this year. Not even, Like, nobody that played last year. <laughs> so, you know, he got a raw deal there in terms of his quarterbacks didn't have two seconds to do anything. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's part of the reason that, uh, you know, Bamford said kind of ignored last season. Um, at Florida State and kind of look more at his Maryland and more at his Arkansas State history uh, and his recruiting. Uh, you know, he always was known as, as just a really, really good recruiter. And, you know, you know he's, he's decided that that's what he was going with with his coaches. I mean, it's very clear from his hires that he said, hey, I'm going to try to get the best recruiters I possibly can up here to UMass, um, which, you know, Maybe that's the change we need. Maybe we need to go and say, hey, let's just get recruiters um, and not necessarily – well, we'll find out. We'll find out whether or not they're, they're you know, good in-game coaches. Um, but these are all guys that are kind of new to their positions, uh, coaching positions in terms of, of, of moving up. Uh, and But there are they're fantastic recruiters, and you're already seeing it. I mean, you look at the 2020 class. I think he's already got, what, 13 – uh, guy. He's out of control. He signs the kid like every other day. Yeah, and a bunch of them are three stars. And, um. They transfer from Notre Dame. Yeah, I think he's number like, you know, 76, uh, right now ranked for 2020, uh, recruiting class. You know, so I, you know, I, I think, I think the hire was smart. Totally off my radar. I threw out like 13 names that I was thinking we were going to talk to. And, uh, I never even thought of Walt Bell. And, and I was all in on the Ravens D-line coach yeah, who was a UMass that, alum. That was Bamford's uh, throw-you-off uh, one. That's like... Uh, yeah, and he fucking duped me. I gotta, give, <laughs> I gotta take my cap to Bamford because I'm gonna tell a story right now. I'm not gonna tell all the details but I'm gonna confess that the moment that came out <laughs> um, that he might be in mix. What's his name? I forget. Oh, shoot. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm He's like a around. class of 89 alum. Yeah. Well-regarded NFL. 
highly regarded, but had a um, like a, a bad alcohol. Right. He had some like, issues in the past. Yep. I think he was, it was like you know, and like it was a bad one. It was like he went to a drive-through naked or something when he was like drunk as a as a lion's when he was with the lion. It was bad. Joe like, Joe like, Joe Cullen, right? Yes. 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 We all make mistakes. But the point is that I was of the mind that like, oh, that's the exact guy you want because the only reason by all, you know, things I was reading, and I don't know the landscape of the, I'm not sourced at all in college football. Like I have a lot of people at this point that I know and trust in the college basketball world and who give me really, you know, smart insights so I can suss out what's what. I don't have any of that in college football. So I was sort of admittedly going by just my own, you know, hunt and what I was reading. But needless to say, this dude sounded like her tired because it was like, oh, he's made mistakes in the past, and that's the only reason he hasn't landed a head coaching job. What a perfect opportunity now that he's sober at 50 and a UMass alum. Like, wow, slam dunk. And so I went so far as to aggressively DM late night Ryan Bamford <laughs> and with a impassioned pitch. That was our picks. And I've never done this, by the way, um, with him. And uh, with a passion pitch that if he were to be hired, um, I would devote resources and I would contact people I knew in, 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 like the, in the media podcasting world. And we do like an unbelievable behind-the-scenes profile of this guy to humanize him and all this shit. <laughs> like I was breaking out an entire public relations strategy. And, and, and I, I don't even know if he responded. He was just like, okay, thanks, or something like that. And then, like, <laughs> two days later, it's wall fell, and I'm just like, oh, man, like, that that was maybe a little bit of a dopamine rush where I got real fired up to, like... <laughs> right, right. Well, that was... He, he did the same thing when he hired McCall. He had, uh, what's his face, from the Celtics, right? He was, yeah, but that is... He was, he, again, like I said, I, I was connected enough in hoop circles that with that, I knew that was a throw-off and a bullshit mm. one from the jump, so I just never took it seriously. Right. Whereas here... I didn't know his playbook, and I didn't know the landscape of college football enough to make an educated inference that, like, oh, this is not actually happening. Right. Um, well, you know, it's, he's smart. He's a smart dude. He's he it's, he he got Bell to take a a a, a pay cut <laughs> to come to UMass, um, and, and so you know, I, I I think what he does when he's when he's being sneaky like that is uh, he he's being smart, and he has to be smart with the money that UMass can afford. So okay. You say he's being smart, and I, and I think you're right. But, again, just to stay in the devil's advocate theme for a moment, some people would say, this is a dude who is 34 years old or whatever, and, you know, had a shit year at, at Florida State, and, you know, God knows what's going to happen if Taggart doesn't win year two because they go nuts down there if you don't win. Mm-hmm. And here he is taking, you know, in the college football world a – no-name job that maybe is, you know, by some estimations that, you know, Kisanak has the worst college football program in the country, and I think that's bullshit. I think it's probably... Yeah, there's always rice. But, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, there's probably seven or eight that are worse, but, like, yeah. my point is that, you know, there's some people who would say, look, if a guy who spent his whole career down south is just bolting all of a sudden and coming up to a, 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 you know, I'm not saying that this is the case, but a football wasteland, right? Like, that's how it's perceived by some. Right. What is he 
hiding from? What is he escaping? And because he's so charming and compelling and has the, I think there, there's a, a tendency, certainly I bought it and still do, of, of just of the sort of consummate Southerner, this kind of archetype that, that embodies a certain vibe, right? I think that it's, it's probably made us overlook these, these questions and I, and, or conversely, and I know I'm rambling here, but conversely, the fact that we were fooled so hard by Charlie Molnar and his resume, <laughs> quote unquote resume, I think has just left a taste in my mouth, you know, that will last a while where right. it's like, okay, I like this guy, but like, what are you going to do for me? And so, do you think any of that uh, skepticism is uh, is is born of a legitimate impulse, or is it just like post traumatic stress from Charlie Molnar? Yeah, I mean, I think the Charlie situation is totally different. I mean, I, 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 you can't compare Bell to Charlie. I know you're not doing that, but uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's a, it's a different situation. Um, I think with him being younger and, and being Respected from what what I've read, definitely in the coaching uh, industry, you know, is respected as as what he's done at, at uh, Arkansas State and Maryland, and he had a tough year, a weird weird year at Florida State. Um, you know, I think that uh, you know, I, 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 I was I was shocked by the hire. It, it surprised me. It was I didn't think we were going that way, but I'm gonna give him the time to see what he can do. It, it's it's gonna be interesting to see. Okay, can the good recruiter, can the good recruiter now turn into head coach and can he, you know, can he turn to like a PJ Fleck, right? PJ Fleck, great recruiter. He's always known, great recruiter, great recruiter. Ended up being a really good coach at Western Michigan, uh, and as well as a really good recruiter. He's having a little bit of trouble in Minnesota moving up. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, can Walt Bell be somebody like that that can get UMass, uh, to a position where you're you're winning uh, games and being 500 at least, uh, you know we know the whole issues with being independent and bowl games and all that kind of jazz um, that that makes everything a little more difficult at UMass. But um, you know I, I I think it's going to be really interesting to see when he starts coaching in game uh, how he handles the team and his staff because all of his staff really they haven't done these these positions that they've taken over they haven't really done before. So, you know, you got guys that, like I said, are good recruiters. We're going to find out very quickly um, if, if they can coach in-game. And this first year, I'll get into it when we go through the positions or whatever, but this, this first year is going to be <laughs> difficult. <laughs> so, yeah, so before we get to the, the difficulties, um, do we have any indication how Bell is going to run an offense or a defense or, or who he's going to delegate those responsibilities to. Because last I heard, he was like, he was kind of noncommittal, which I didn't mind because I think you know, college football coaches are notoriously paranoid and, and don't reveal, you know, all their, all their, what's up their sleeve. But do we even know, like, what offense we're going to be running? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a spread, hurry-up offense. You're going to want to kind of look like a Dino Babers. Uh, type offense uh, that he's got up there at uh, Syracuse. I mean, you're looking at 80 plus plays a game that he wants to do. Uh, you know, spread sometimes four wide receivers, one back. Um, you know, he wants to he 
wants the receivers to kind of make plays. He wants uh, the quarterbacks to make plays. It's going to be kind of a, uh, I don't want to say a wild west, but it's, it's going to be a little bit more, it's definitely going to be a lot more loose uh, than what Whipple had with his pro-style offense. Where are you, um, but like, has he said this? Uh, you know, well, yeah, I mean, it's got, yeah, he, he said it. He said it somewhat. I mean, he's, he's talked about he, how he wants it to be a hurry up. Um, actually, Josh Walfish had some good quotes from him today, kind of talking about it, and, um, and some of the players talking about it. And, and it's, it's gonna be, you know, my concern with it is, okay, do you have the depth, and not just on offense, do you have the depth on defense to, you know, run, you know, that many plays on offense and possibly go three and out a bunch and be, you know, just exhausting guys. Now, that's the whole thing. That goes back to Matt Shadid, who's the, you know, strength and conditioning coach, and what they've been He seems fantastic, by the way. He, he does. He does. And, I, mean, and I would run through a fucking wall for that guy, and I gotta say, <laughs> all strength and conditioning, there's a, there's a truism in, 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 in the sort of mindset of fans in college sports, which is, Everybody gets excited by a strength and conditioning coach, so you got it. Like, right. It's always like, oh, he's unbelievable. Does so much for the culture, but this one actually has a like discernibly different affect that right. you just watch like a thirty like a thirty second clip, and you're like, this guy is like fucking good. Like, right. and, and I know they've had good ones before, and I know that the um, Cody Green for the basketball team is really good, right. but this dude has like. There's something about it where I'm just like, holy shit! Like, you can just see it in the kid's eyes. Like, I swear, it's it's that's the one thing that's giving me a lot of optimism, even about this team. And I know they they have very little talent, very little experience, but the way he just has the kids believing a little, because I do think under Whipple there was like, I don't want to say the kids didn't work hard, they did, but there was just kind of a a, a sense of like resignation yeah. that defined the way they went about things and, and I and I, I think it did start at the top because Whip had this like I don't want to play pop psychologist here but he had this affect that was just like I always joke because I do like Whip but I always joke like in his second go round here it always felt like he was just like on Xanax yeah I, I think there's a really good quote from Walt Bell early uh, I think I'm going to hear from his press conference where he said he wants his players to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, and, and, and if he wants to run the offense he wants to run, uh, that's exactly what these guys are going to have to do. I mean, these guys are going to have to be in the type of shape where you just don't get tired. And, and, and that can be, you know, really demoralizing to your opponent. I mean, quite frankly, if you're, say, you know, you just say they're, they're shocking the team some point this season. Right, and it's early in the season, and say that they're up at halftime when they really probably shouldn't be, or they weren't expected to be. And you know, what if he calls timeout, like you know, ten seconds before half, and takes these kids over and says, "We're going to sprint off this football field." And, and and you know, imagine they just like run off that football field full speed, and the other team's looking at them like, "Holy crap!" You know, are these guys really not tired? Um, so if, if Bell and Shadid can get these guys into that type of shape, um, you know, you might, you might, you might pull some things out that you're not, you're not supposed to. I mean, that can, that type of, of, of being comfortable when, you know, you're uncomfortable, uh, it makes a big difference. I, I just hope in terms of injuries, uh, that, yeah. that they're, that they're, they're being cautious. I mean, 
you know, pushing things a little too far can sometimes, and with our depth, we can't afford that. So, so go ahead, go ahead. No, I just, I, I, you know, that's that's the other thing, and we have a very good uh, athletic uh, uh, medicine uh, crew here at UMass, and and I'm sure they're watching out for that type of stuff. But um, you know, I, I, that's that, that's my only concern is, is all right, you know, great, you know, getting these guys in awesome shape. Um, but you know, make sure we're at a limit where you're not getting anybody hurt. So it sounds like, in a certain sense, that running the style of offense he, he wants to run is is not that it's going to take a zillion years to figure out the schematics, or that it's insanely complicated. The call, the calls are complicated. They it, are. They, well, yeah, it's going to go. It's going to be now. You know, it used to be you know Whipple yelling plays from the sideline. It's going to be all all hand signals. I mean, you see, you know, uh, some of these teams that run these hurry up offenses, like Syracuse, like Wake Forest, um, and and everything. Every play has three or four different calls for the same play. So you could have a hand signal, you could have a number, you could have a color, you could have a name, but they're going to be yelling that stuff out. And it, and you, like I said, you have three different things that mean the same thing. Um, so getting the guys to learn that stuff. Is that's the most difficult part of this no huddle hurry up offense is and it's all new to these guys this year. So so you're saying we could see a lot of offsides penalties in, these, in, in the first game. You you could see a lot of uh, little weird delay of games, some offsides, some guys missing missing blocks uh, because you know it's very quick. The offensive line is going to have uh, the toughest time with this change. The the amount of uh, changes to how quickly you have to pick out where you're supposed to be making your your blitz pickups and 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 and, and your, your your gaps and you know that's going to be the most difficult for the offensive line, especially with you know offensive lines are, are, are bigger dudes, okay? So you know they get they get tired a little sooner than everybody else, um, and you know it's it's going to be a big learning process. When you, sorry, when you just because I'm not a huge tactics guy in football, and I apologize yeah. for our listeners who are, but when you say a blitz pickup and a gap in the context of play calling, like right. for the lineman, you're you're saying explain that precisely. So I mean, it, it really is going to be all right. You have a, you have a, you have your play call, um, and and it's it's, it's going to be some sort of uh, pass play, right? So now you have to. As soon as you get that play, you guys are getting down in your stance because you're pretty much standing where you're going to be getting down in your stance. When you're running a no-huddle offense, the offensive line has already run up to the ball and is in their position uh, when they're getting the play call called in. Uh, so now they're looking at that defense, uh, and they have to, you know, within five seconds sometimes, uh, figure out, okay, where's that? Where's the linebacker? Where's the mic? You know, where's the... Where's the DN over here? Okay, what? You know, where? Where is everybody? So I know now if if, if somebody's going to uh, slant into this gap, I'm going to pass him off to the center, and now I'm in charge of getting that linebacker who's blitzing uh, uh, right, where that right. where that guy left. So it's 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 you know it's it definitely is a quicker pace uh, and can cause some you know issues with with pass blocking if the guys are tired and if the guys aren't sure exactly what they're supposed to be doing um but you know it's going to take some time i'm a concern there's a couple guys on the offensive line who i'm concerned about having to learn new offenses uh you know and new play calls and it's it's going to be interesting i just i hope i hope i hope they can figure it out quickly (laughs) so 
Yeah, because it's also interesting because in Spring Ball, he made a point of kind of de-emphasizing the technical challenges of football, and he just wanted the guys to just get used to playing fast, I think. Right. Yeah. And so now it's like, how much are you going to be able to implement in 30 days or whatever? You know, it's right. just, it's just, uh, but so that being said, um, let's talk about who's returning and go, uh, let's start with the offense. I mean, sure. It seems like you got a few wide receivers back and a few, uh, linemen. Is that about it? Yeah. So, I mean, the wide receivers, I mean, we're, we're still, we're stacked. I mean, in terms of, yes, we lost Andy. Andy was what basically all of our our, our pass catching, but you know you got Sadiq Palmer coming back who was second. You know, it's weird. I say it's a strength, and people are like, "What do you mean they lost like the best wide receiver ever?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I know, but they, they had so many good dudes last year. It's just that he was so good they didn't need to throw to him." Right? Yeah, I mean, you, you do. So you got you got you got Sadiq Palmer coming back, who you know really this this is Sadiq's year to break out. Um, you know, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a thousand yard season. Um, at all, uh, and then you got you know you got Dingle who's who's back, smaller guy. Um, Brandon Dingle is he a senior now? No, he's a he's a he's a redshirt sophomore because he had a he had a gray shirt he had a he had a gray shirt year or redshirt his freshman year because of grades. Um, it feels like he's been there forever. Yeah, no, he's but he's yeah he's, he's a red I think he's a Palmer's junior sophomore. Uh, I think Palmer's a a, a junior or he might be a senior. I think I think Palmer might be a senior. Hold on, let's see. Here. I think Palmer is a senior this year. Um, so many players on a football team. It's yeah, so Palmer's Palmer's a senior. So Dingle's a retro junior. I'm getting my my years confused. So Dingle's a retro junior. Palmer's a senior because uh, he started his freshman year. You know, he started playing his freshman year. Um, and then you got Zach Simon, um, who, who's come in. He's a retro sophomore, young guy. He played pretty well last year. He's a Canadian. Really no, he's the uh, kid from uh, California. Small guy, five ten. Yeah, he's a small guy, five ten, uh, from Temecula. Um, who's, the, who's the tall Canadian? So player? Samuel Emelis. Samuel Emelis is the tall Canadian uh, player, uh, wide receiver who played awesome last year yeah, when he got when he got in. I, I used yeah. to sit by his family uh, where my seats were, um, and they would come down from Montreal. Um, for games, and uh, you know, he they would be there when he wasn't getting in, and then once he started getting in, man, they were going crazy. But yeah, he had a great season. He's gonna he's gonna have a breakout year. Um, I really really think he's gonna be him and Palmer are gonna be the top two wide receivers on the team. Um, and you got, you got Jesse Brick coming back. Oh, he's good. He had a tough so you know great 2017. Came into 2018 expecting a big year. Was a little out of shape, uh, had lost some speed, and then fell apart with Whipple. I don't know what I don't get. I don't have the full story there, but that relationship just totally deteriorated, and he left the team mid-season um, to transfer. Uh, they are they did convince him to come back. Hopefully, this you know spring uh, he's gotten back into shape where he needs to be to get his speed. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets thrown in. We'll talk about this a little later, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets thrown into running back a couple times because of our depth there issues. Um, and then you got Cam Robertson, who's a new uh, JUCO transfer. You got Javon Turner, who was uh, a JUCO transfer that actually played with Andrew Brito, um, our new JUCO quarterback that we got coming in. Um, and you got a couple freshmen. So 
let's just so we're loaded at wide receiver. Yeah. Not, not the biggest concern. Right. It's like the biggest of our concerns. Correct. And and we have a decent number of linemen coming back. Yeah, right? we got well, we got we got alert. We lost we lost three guys. Um, so, uh, Derek Dumas is transferring, which he hasn't ended up anywhere yet, so I'm not sure exactly what's going on with that, but, um, he transferred out. He was our starting center last year. Uh, we lost Largay and Coulter, um, on the right, on the right side of the line. Largay was in, at UMass for like 17 years. <laughs> he was. He was. And Lucas Coulter was there for a long time too, the German. Um, yeah, he was. Yeah. Great, yeah, but, um, so we got, but we had guys that had pl- played some, right? Fill in. So you got well, Larnell Coleman and uh, Ray Thomas are the two returning guys. I was gonna say Ray Thomas, the kid from Philly, he's been there for like seventeen years too. Yeah, Ray Thomas. So he's they're moving him back to guard. Uh, they had him at OT last year, and he just you know speed wise tackles not where he's gonna play in the NFL. He's definitely NFL type talent. He's gonna play guard in the NFL. So they're moving him back to guard. He's he's probably gonna play left guard with Larnell Coleman at left tackle. Um, and you got, uh, Mike Girardi and Jalen Larry, uh, who both played a lot last year. Um, I think Larry's probably going to be the center. Girardi's probably going to be right guard. And then you got the new offensive tackle who I know people have been freaking out with his social media pictures because he looks just gigantic, uh, is Brian Avosi. Um, who really, there's some pictures of him next, standing next to the other players, <laughs> and he does look like a monster. He's, you know, six foot eight. Um, so, you know, and then you got a couple of Jucos and some other guys that have, uh, are younger guys that are coming up. OL is gonna be, it's gonna be interesting, right? So, we thought they were gonna be really, really good last year. You know, that we really thought OL was gonna be one of our strengths, and they struggled some. Um, didn't get Marquise. As many yards as we anticipated, um, we're having some issues protecting the quarterback. Uh, they lost, uh, and I don't want to delay for this point, but I have to. If it's yes. a UMass football podcast, they lost a, a guy to a, a school called Auburn. Yes. You may have heard of. <laughs> Jack Driscoll. <laughs> Jack Driscoll left to go. Uh, and still not over it. Still not over it. And he's, he's 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 uh, they're starting uh, starting offensive lineman is probably going to get a look in the NFL after the season. So. Uh, you know, that whole story, I could get into all back and forth stuff of what I heard from many different people. I let's think that's, not, it's let's, not, let's, let's, let's let it go. <laughs> keep, keep going. That's it. All right, so, so, uh, um, because, because we could be here all day, right. there's so many damn players on football teams. Yeah. You know, it's stressful moving. I've done it before. Many of us have done it before. Not fun. Very, very stressful. But folks, with five college movers, it's not stressful. In fact, they put the stress-free into stress-free moving. The guys over at Five College will take care of you if you are moving anywhere around the valley, around the state, around New England, around the nation. Five College Movers will take care of you. FiveCollegeMovers.com for an estimate. Text MOVE to 474747. It's that simple. Text MOVE to 474747. Local and long distance moving. Certified Massachusetts state contract recipients. These guys will get the job done. And huge friends of UMass Athletics.
Check them out. The, the weakness, it seems pretty clear in terms of the offense, is a lack of depth at running back. All the time. And, and lack of experience at quarterback. Yeah. And you're of the belief, I think we've talked a little bit about it offline, but, or off the air, I should say, that the quarterback here is pretty clearly, you think it's Michael Curtis? I think so. I think they're being very coy with, with their comments. They've said, oh, we got five guys that are in, in this uh, battle. That's totally not true. Uh, it, there's two guys. It's, it's, it's Curtis and Brito that are somewhat in a battle, and I don't really think it's much of a battle. I think it's going to be Curtis right from the get-go. Uh, I think kind of Bell hinted at that today when he talked about, oh, it's going to be some of his quotes were like, oh, you know, I don't really make the decision. The players are going to make the decision. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's very clear that it, that was kind of a hint that, you know, Curtis is fifth leading with the team. He, the players feel more comfortable with him. He's going to be the guy that walks out there against Rutgers. Um, you know, Brito, I think any little slight thing that Curtis starts having trouble or if just the team starts having trouble, Brito's going to be in there. But the question of Brito is, you know, his knee, right? So he tore his ACL beginning of last season at JUCO. Um, went to JUCO because he's so short that you know he didn't really get recruited any P5s or or, or group of fives. Quite frank, uh, coming out of of high school, he was at a quarterback for the, one of the top five high schools in the country in football. Won the state championship in New Jersey. Everybody else on that team uh, was getting you know FBS offers. And he wasn't getting a sniff. And Where did he go in Bosco? Uh, Paramus Catholic. Okay. Yeah, Paramus Catholic, and that was their big year when they, you know, they were playing all over the country and won. That know, was with the kid from uh, Michigan. Yeah, my uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Gary, right? Uh, this is last. Sean, no. Um, that's last name. I like think the so. absolute star who was like a Heisman candidate last year. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but yes, yeah, so that was his team, and you know. I think the question really is, okay, how is that knee, right? So the reason that um, Rashawn Gary, that was the guy, but anyways, um, how's the knee? Because his whole thing and his whole career from Paramus Catholic through JUCO has been his escapability. He's, it says he's 5'10". He's not 5'10". Um, but, you know, he needs to get out of the pocket. He needs to run around, make plays happen. Um, can, you know, is the knee fine? Is it, is it there to the point where he can do that? Um, I, I guess, you know, Bell feels like it is. Otherwise, he wouldn't have brought him in. So um, he's a true sophomore? Yeah, he's going to be – what year is he going to be? That's a good question. Because he played two years at JUCO or one? He played two years at JUCO, so he's a junior. Yeah, he's a, he's a real just flat-out junior. Um, two years JUCO. First year, fantastic. Broke all sorts of records at the school. I think it was College of Canyons in California. Um, and then he started last year off and, and tore his ACL, um, and then lost a whole bunch of recruiting interest after he tore his ACL. Um, so was he getting big time offers before that? You know, I think he was getting group of five offers higher than us. Um, I don't think he was getting really many P5 looks just strictly based. The P5s really, you know, they have like stats where if you're not a certain height, they don't even bother. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, so I think he was getting he was getting some high G five looks, um, and uh, that you know the leg uh, kind of set that back for him. Uh, but it's gonna be interesting. I think as soon as Curtis shows any sort of uh, issues, uh, 
Bell is not going to hesitate to throw Brito in there. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what he does. I, I really hope he's got that. If he's got the same escapability as he did, um, you know, if that knee's healed, um, he could be dangerous, uh, especially with his legs. Yeah, I had forgotten about him because usually I follow these guys who are recruiting, so I, I follow him out of high school. Like the, the Pilata kid and, um, from Ohio, right? Yes. And yeah. the um, Josiah, from, Josiah from, Johnson from Florida. Yeah, from Jacksonville, I think. Yep. Those two, I mean, and all, obviously one of my favorite UMass athletes in any sport of all time, Rand, the Randall West. Um, I, I thought that those two kids from Ohio and Florida, respectively, I thought they would be in the mix this year. You're saying they're just too young? Yeah, well, I, I think they don't. Pilata doesn't really fit what Bell's got. Um, uh, you know, what Bell wants to do. Uh, well, he's I, like a pro style. Yeah, he was more ready for a Whipple type offense. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if after this season uh, he transfers. Um, just strictly because I don't think there's a really a, a spot for him in this type of offense. So you're saying this type of offense requires a quarterback that is more nimble? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to want somebody that's going to be able to, to move. Um, like Ross Comis would have been good under under this. Season. Oh yeah, yeah. I think Ross. This is this is the type of offense Ross would have really liked, and that's why I think Curtis is going to play pretty well because Curtis kind of ran a very similar offense yeah. to this in JUCO. Um, so I I think he's going to do pretty well under this. I think Josiah Johnson is not going to play quarterback. Uh, I'm hearing that he's you know I know Whipple used him a little bit as tight end last year. Uh, I've heard that he's been working out. I think it's not a, not a secret. He's been working out in spring and, and wide receiver um, as well. So I, I think Zay Johnson, he's a great athlete. I think he's fantastic. I think he's going to be a really good part of uh, UMass's football program going forward. Um, I just don't necessarily think it's going to be a quarterback. I think it's going to be some other spots where Zay is going to play. Um, and Curtis had some moments last year. I mean, because I'm trying to think. Charlotte. He was 26 for 40 for 412 yards, four scores. Is Was he, I'm trying to think, was he go in when it was a blowout, or was he go in when no. both guys were injured? Both guys were injured, yeah. Yes, um, I was say, at what point in the year was that? That was Charlotte. That was the Charlotte. Well, he came in, it was, It was. he started the Charlotte. I think he started That's the right. Charlotte game. Like, he had a great game. I mean, he was 12 for 19, yeah. 189 yards, two scores. Yep. Yeah, because I think both, both Ford, I think Ford was out with a concussion. Or I think both of them were out with. I think maybe Ford and um, Comus were out with concussions. Um, but yeah, no, he played a great game against Charlotte. I mean, that was that was that was his breakout. I mean, I remember going up to him after the game and, and congratulating him after he was walking off the field, um, and he was you know he was thrilled. Um, well, that was like when they broke out. They'd been dog shit all year, and then they were like, "Fuck it, we'll start him." And we were all like, "Yeah." This is going to be a disaster because it was our third string quarterback. We were 0 and 4, and then we just, in a very massy like string of events, we were like winning 28 nothing in the first. Yeah, that's the thing too. That was a weird game. We were up 20. I think we were up 21 nothing within three minutes of the yeah, start of that bizarre. game. Uh, yeah. So you know he had a little bit of a cushion there, um, but no, but he did he did play well. And listen, so yes, can Michael Curtis play against competition that's similar to UMass? We know that he can. Um, can he play against, you know, P5 schools um, or higher G5 schools? We don't know that yet. Um, we're going to find out. Um, and I think, like I said, I think he's going to be the starter. Um, but, um, you know, I, 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 think, I, I think he can, 
I think he can do some stuff, especially since he's going to have more of a chance to run. Um, you know, that he didn't. I think he ran for almost like 600 yards or something in Juco um, one year. So, you know, I, I, I think he's going to have a good shot here uh, with this. Now, the question is, uh, and I know people have gone back to this, is it smart for Bell to have Curtis playing, considering this is, you know, his last year? Should you start somebody like Brito and get him ready, since this year's kind of going to be a wash? Um, you know, do you put Brito in and just kind of go roll with him to get him ready for the next year? So, you know, that's... Is Brito, is Brito a, um, a Bell recruit? Uh, yep, Brito's a Bell recruit. Um, he was, you know, one of, he was really, he was Bell's Juco get. So, um, you know, he's, he's, he, you know, he's probably got a little bit of a, a, a soft spot in Bell's eye right now. <laughs> Bell wants him to do well. Alright, so. And then Randall West, we can talk about little Randall West for a second. I, I love Randall West. I think he's a UMass legend, like you said. Um, but, uh, you know. He's been there for 17 years, too. Yes. Well, he was a Charlie Molnar recruit. <laughs> so, he was a Charlie Molnar recruit. At Lawrenceville <laughs> Academy, but uh, Randall's going to be a team player. He's a, he's fantastic for the team. I think he really is. Is I think Randall West is probably going to be a, a, a great if he wanted to be. I don't know if he does, but could could be a great coach one day. But uh, I think Randall's uh, there to to help this team in a lot of different ways other than quarterback. Yeah, I mean, and Brito, you know, he's a junior, so it's like maybe yeah. you got to get him some reps early because yeah. I mean, otherwise, like. You kind of know he's the starter next year, right? Well, yes and no, because, you know, I'm holding out hope that uh, Mr. Kasim Hill from Maryland is uh, planning to transfer to UMass. I don't know that, but he, he he is off the Maryland roster. He's one of only two quarterbacks left in the transfer could portal. Could this year? Uh, well, he could transfer, he could, okay. but he wouldn't, he wouldn't play. Yeah, he'd have to sit out. But he's, he's a guy that Walt Bell recruited to Maryland. Um, huge recruit for Maryland, end up tearing both ACLs, uh, in two, you know, you know, consecutive years. Um, so, but he's got nowhere to go right now. I know, I think some Tennessee fans were trying to push for him to transfer to Tennessee. Um, but, um, you know, I think P5s are really scared of Cassini Hill because of the two ACL tears. Um, so why not come with Walt Bell to UMass? He recruited you at Maryland, you like him. Um, at least we think he does. Um, you know, so maybe that's who, who he's looking for for next year, but that's next year. We'll talk about that. All right. So, all right. So, and then there's no depth in running back. Nothing, right? Yeah. Well, we got Bilal Ali to come back. He was another. Frederick's back? Uh, no. He retired from football. Um, so Bilal Ali left the program, had a fallout with Whipple about playing time. Um, left the program, was going to transfer, uh, was convinced to come back by Walt's crew. Um, and, uh, he's pretty much it in terms of, of production from any point in the past. Um, you got Nick or- Oracoya, who's played a little bit here and there. Um, uh, Victor Santiago, who's played so, some no, other time. No you got this freshman, though, Kevin Brown, who everybody says, you know, has played really well in the spring, has looked good. Um, they're impressed with him. I Wait, would... how did he play well in the spring if he was in high school? I think he got. Uh, he was one of those graduate early guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's been. He's he's been he's been in there. So I know he's been around the program for a little bit now. Um, so people are impressed with him. I know uh, Mike Trini from two four seven is high on him. 
Um, so he's probably going to see some. And then, like I said, you might see Jesse Britt, who played some running back in high school, thrown in there to play running back. Um, but yeah, that's our weakest. I mean, it's, that's going to be tough. <laughs> you know, besides tight end, which there really is no use for a tight end in Bell's offense anyways, besides some blocking. Um, but you got Kyle Horn, again, talking about people who've been here forever. Kyle Horn at tight end. And, He's been here for Taylor Edwards, who's also been at UMass forever. Um, those guys, unfortunately, aren't going to see too many balls, I don't think. I think it's mostly going to be some blocking here or there. So, offense, there's, you know, uh, uh, it won't be, like, it will be better than, let's say, the first game Charlie Molnar coached. <laughs> yes. UConn, the game I attended, which was just hard to watch. Yeah. Um, so you'll have, like, you'll be able to maybe move the ball against weak opponents. Right. The defensive side of the ball, you have Isaiah Rogers back. Yeah, that's about it back there. And that's about it. Yeah, yeah, it's, so... But the defense was giving up 63 points with a bunch of seniors last year, so how much worse can it be? It, it, it can't get much worse, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get much better. Um, I, I think you're looking about the same, um... I mean, it's 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 not a little worse, actually. Um, it, it can get a little worse. Uh, but schematically, isn't there something you can do to go from giving up 63 points to giving up, I don't know, 50? Sure. I mean, they're going to run a 3-4. Uh, it's going to be heavy on a bunch of linebackers, um, which you you have a bunch of young guys that can, that can play linebacker on our team. But everybody's just small on our defense. Uh, unfortunately... Everybody's small. I mean, that's the biggest thing I, I can say about our defensive issues is that, you know, the defensive line, linebackers, um, you know, are just small guys. Uh, and doesn't necessarily mean they're bad players, uh, but when you're going against a P5, uh, that's an issue. <laughs> that's, well, the truth is, you're only playing this year. I mean, I think one of the things is that this schedule is a lot more favorable than the last couple, right? I mean, you have the only Power Fives this year are true Power Fives are Rutgers and uh, Northwestern. Right. And Rutgers was 1-11 last year. Um, and and then you have Army and BYU who are like, you know, let's say like P5 light. Right, um, yeah. But, but there's not, like the schedule's not exactly daunting if it was like an experienced UMass team, let's say. No, no. I mean, I, I think, though, when we go through the schedule real quick after this, when we talk, we talk about the players, I, there there are some teams here that, that are going to cause us some definite issues on defense. Um, and, and, it, and it, listen, I want to be surprised. I, I hope I get surprised. You got Jake Bisco at the end, who's unbelievable. I think he's going to have a massive year. He needs to have a massive year. Apparently, from all the social media, he's gotten huge. Um, so, you know, he's a, a major part of our defense that has to get pressure. The biggest thing that happened last year, the reason our defensive backs struggled so hard last year with these senior guys that we thought were going to just dominate back there and have interception after interception was that we couldn't get any pressure on the quarterback. I mean, these quarterbacks had all day to pass. It doesn't matter how good you are. Isaiah Rodgers yeah. is going to be in yeah. the NFL. He's unbelievable. You know, you're going to get beat if the quarterback has 10 seconds to throw the football. So, yeah. you know, the year before you had Deshaun Downey, you know, just wreaking havoc in the backfield. 
causing you know Isaiah Rogers and Lee Moses and those guys to just have a great 2017, which goes, oh, great, we'll be set for 2018, they're all back. Well, you didn't have Deshaun Downey putting that pressure on the quarterback last year. So if Jake Bisco can get pressure on the quarterback like Downey did in 2017, you know, you're going to definitely help, you know, Rodgers back there. you got the new kid, uh, Jordan Adams from West Virginia, grad transfer. Uh, possibly Boykin, I doubt he's going to get a waiver uh, granted from the NCAA to play right away. Game, uh, the Notre, Dame Notre Dame guy, guy. yeah, I, I, I don't see that happening. We're not Ohio yeah, State. They, I doubt they, it. <laughs> they, don't, they only give those to the to the people they like. But um, you know, it's it's definitely it's going to be tough back there. You got Joseph Norwood though at safety, so he was one of our highest ever you know recruits, uh, and he came in last year and started as a freshman, um, and he's going to have a big year at safety, I think. Um, he's, he's just, he was a steal. He was, I think he was going to play at, um, I want to say it was either Tennessee or Maryland. He was going to a P5 and, uh, couldn't get in, um, academically. Um, so, you know, he ended up here and, uh, he's, he's tremendous back there. I think he's a little bit of talent on this team. Yeah. I think you got Chris Hunt coming back. Played some Martin Mangrum. Another guy, guy who's been there forever, you know, um, so you do have some guys back there. I'm more concerned with, you know, the linebackers. You got, you lose, you know, um, uh, you know, you lose all your tackles there from Brighton. Uh, now, you know, you got, you got Michael, uh, Mike Ruan from New Jersey. You got McCubbery, who's a Massachusetts guy. Uh, I'm sure I'm butchering everybody's name. Um, but, uh, you know, those guys are small linebackers. They're small so linebackers. You're, you're, you're saying we're going to struggle against the run. Yeah, I I think the run is going to be a major problem, and there's certain teams on our schedule, and we'll go through it. There's certain teams that that are going to dominate us in the trenches. Um, you know, I, I love Agbana at, at linebacker, outside linebacker. He had a great year last year. I think he's going to have a great year this year. Tyrus LeBeau is back, the Canadian. Um, he's good. He's very good. He's back. Uh, no, but he, there's, like I said, they're smaller dudes. And you got Jarvis Miller from Penn State, who we really don't know. Grad transfer from Penn State. We really don't know much about him in terms of he really didn't see the field too much at Penn State. So, you know, he might come in and, and, and just surprise the heck out of all of us. Um, or he might come in and do nothing. We don't really, it's, it's kind of, uh, up in the air with him. We don't really know because he never saw the field at Penn State really. So, um, all right. Any, any freshman expected to make an immediate impact? Uh, on defense or offense? <laughs> both. Or both. Um, well, you got Logan Darby, uh, a freshman who could see him a little bit in the backfield, uh, or defensive backfield, I'm sorry, defensive backfield. Um, you might see him play a little bit. Um, Javon Turner, wide receiver on offense. He played with Brito, uh, Pramus Catholic. Um, oh, actually, he's a Juco transfer, so that's kind of a little different. But, uh, Taj Jones, I think, from, uh, from New Jersey. Yeah, he's, he's active on Twitter. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's another wide receiver that might, you know, might might show some um, as a freshman. But the nice thing, though, you got to remember the nice thing with the new rule with the freshman is that you can play four games and still get redshirt. So yeah, that's great. That's it. It really helps, you know, uh, especially teams like us, where you know you might want to try some guy out, guy out, and say, hey, listen, we got to see if we can fill somebody in here, and then if he doesn't play well. Four games, you go up, you're redshirted. So, and if he's and if he's great, it's like great, you get a good year out of him. Right, exactly, exactly. So, and that goes for that goes at any point. You could play 
none of the games, play the last four, uh, and you're still can redshirt. So, right. you know, it, it, that makes a big difference. I think you're going to see Bell trying out some of his guys, um, especially with the way I think the season's going to go. I think you're going to see him, you know, trying some dudes out. Um, but I, I think he, I think he's building these freshmen really more for, um, next year. Uh, I think he's, he's got enough JUCOs coming in. I think he had like five JUCOs, um, coming in and a couple grad transfers. So those are the guys that he's going to want playing right away. The freshman he brought in, I think really he's, he's grooming them. So, which is, which is good. You know, get him, get him in the shape that you want to get him in. And then, All right. Uh, let's yeah. go to the schedule. Yeah. So, schedule. So, wait, let me go back and again. Sure. The Rutgers sucks, but it's still a Big Ten team on the road, and we're, I think we're, last I saw them, we were like a 10 or 11 point underdog. Right. Uh, uh, Ash, Ash cannot lose this game. <laughs> no, I've said, I said on Twitter, I said, if he loses this game, I'm like, he, he may not survive the season. Yeah, Ash can't lose this game, and he, I don't think he is going to. Um, but he knows he needs it, and he's had all offseason to prepare. Right, 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 exactly. Now, they did, they did just get some bad news today. Um, I know they put a waiver out for their transfer quarterback from Boston College. I forget the kid's name on the top of my head, but uh, I guess it got denied by the NCAA today. Um, so they are stuck with uh, Art Sitowski, uh, who had 18 interceptions last year um, at quarterback. So he's back. Um, so yeah, they do have Iowa the next week. You know, I mean, like, it's, it's not inconceivable that they're looking ahead. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if Art Sitowski just has a total – I mean, listen, that's the only reason we beat BYU a couple of years ago. They had that freshman quarterback, and I can't remember his name. Kid just was – could not throw the football. Um, you know, if we if, – if, if, you know, Art Sitowski just has one of those just tremendously horrendous games, but I don't think they'll let him. They're going to run the ball. Um, you got Raheem Blackshear as a running back who's, who really played well last year in a tough situation at Rutgers. You got pretty much all the offensive line back, which Rutgers always has a decent offensive line for running. Um, they're just going to keep the ball on the ground. They're not even going to let Art throw it. <laughs> so you see this as like a 35-14 game, or are we going to keep it close to score some? I actually have 35-13. That's kind of funny when you said that. I have 35-13 as my prediction score on this game. I don't think it's going to be that close just based off of this being our first game. I was gonna say if we played them in like our sixth game, I think it could be right. like it could be like twenty eight twenty. Yeah. Yeah, I think learning the new offense, this being the first game with it, um, is gonna be difficult for these guys. So yeah, I think it's gonna be a thirty five. There'll 30 be a lot of UMass fans there though. There will. We got a great tailgate going, I think everybody's yeah, gonna be Yeah, hit us up on Twitter if you, if you want to <laughs> because we've got a hell of an event getting that we're preparing. And but even beyond that, I mean there's a lot of UMass fans in the New York area that's a new coach. There's a lot of kids on the roster from Jersey. Like, right. I think you'll see a couple thousand people in maroon and white in the stands for sure. Oh, absolutely. I think a, a lot of the parents, it's easy, easy place to get to, especially for parents that of kids that aren't from the local area. Even You can fly into Newark and drive down to, um, you know, New Brunswick and in, in, in Prescottaway uh, in, uh, you know, half an hour. So, um, you know. Yeah, and I just think, like, there are a lot of people – UMass fans who are intrigued by Walt Bell, like, even, like, the first game, excuse me, the first game of the Molnar era at UConn, I remember I went because I was just intrigued, you know, and, like, there was yeah. a lot of UMass fans there, so, um. Yeah, right, it should so be a good UMass crowd. 
All right, so Southern Illinois, you have to win that game. Yeah, that that's a win. Uh, easy win. They're they're rebuilding. Um, you know, they have a new QB this year, new offensive coordinator. Um, pretty much, you know, they're rebuilding. And they're SIU, right. they're FCS, rebuilding 42-14, something like oh, that. I not that confident, but uh, that's our birthday weekend, so maybe. Yes. <laughs> um, UMass and Charlotte. Yeah. We beat Charlotte handily last year. We did. Yeah, they have a new, their new head coach, though. They, they have a new head coach, which, uh, you know, uh, Will Healy, uh, who's a young guy. He's actually younger than Walt Bell. Uh, did a tremendous job turning around Austin P, uh, which was a, just a, a dismal FCS program, and he came in and, and made them competitive. Um, this is a loss um, in my book. I mean, you're going down there. You're at Charlotte. They're, they're guys that are still pissed about last year. Um, you got to fly. It's just like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have, um, you know, a quarterback who's coming back from injury. He's back starting again. Uh, really good wide receiver and Victor Tucker. Um, you know, I don't see us going down there. And we don't, we lost two years ago uh, at Charlotte. Um, I, I don't see us going down there and having a good game. All right, we come home the next week for Akron. Uh, no, Coastal. I'm oh, sorry, sorry, Coastal yeah. Carolina. Coastal next game. Uh, I think this is another loss. <laughs> I really do. Um, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, but we just do not play well against them. I don't know what it is in Coastal, um, you know, but they have two quarterbacks that both are going to play, uh, Bryce Carpenter and Fred Payton. They're kind of going to split time. Um, they have a good running back. Offensive line, everybody's back. So all their whole offensive line's back from last year. They beat us last year. Um, all right. Yeah. Next. I don't want to hear it. Yep. Akron. Next. Akron. So this is going to be a toss-up. Uh, I'm totally kind of don't know where I am on this one. I think it's going to be like a 17-14 game either way. Um, you know, they have a new head coach too. So they're kind of, you know, learning a new system on their end. Um, they do have a very, right. very good quarterback. We're going to keep moving. We're yeah. like an hour and 30. All, right. all right. We got FIU on the road. That's a loss. Big loss. Butch Davis has that team absolutely stacked. Oh, rolling. yeah, they're good. I Blo- Blowout. They're going to be Conference USA champs this year, I think. 55-10, 60-10, something like that. We're going to oh, be so close. that's going to be like maybe our worst game. That's going to be close to our worst game, yes. Okay, so then we go to Louisiana Tech. They're not as good this year. I looked up them a little bit. Yeah, they're not as good, but Jamar Smith is back at quarterback. Skip Holtz always has his teams prepared. Well, I forgot Skip Holtz is there now. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's at Louisiana Tech. Uh, I no, We're not winning that one. All right, so we got a bye week coming off of, like, what will be two of our tougher losses, both on the road, consecutive weekends in the South. We're going to be yep. reeling. Yep. We go away for a week, and then luckily we come back and we get a dismal UConn team at home. We're going to win? Yeah, we have to win. Uh, that, we got to win that game. I mean, it's going to be close. You know, 24-17. I, I love that it's after a bye week. It's I great. Think That's great. It, it can't because it's like, we're not good enough to just, like, beat them like we did last year. Right. Two, uh, or, or, or beat them like everyone else did last year right. other than us. They're very um, similar. They're very similar to us, They, you know, in terms of talent. So you get a bye week. You have two away games that are tough trips away. Uh, then you get the bye week. Thank God. Because if yeah. you don't have that bye week, uh, that's a whole different, it's different like scenario. It's like coming, I think, too. 
It's homecoming. It's Halloween weekend. <laughs> so students should be UConn, crazy. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a good it's a good time for that one. Yeah, I, I you know their quarter they have a new quarterback coming in. Um, so that's you know totally new on on that. Uh, they do have a lot of offensive linemen coming back, which makes me a little nervous. I think they have four out of their five starters. They can put some points up. Yeah, you got Kevin Mensa, former big UMass recruit, which we tried to get. Um, as running back, who's solid there? Um, but like they, 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 we're still going to score some points in that game. Yeah, no, I think their defense. So worst defense in college history last year at UConn, which we all know. Um, but they do have fourteen guys that saw playing time last year that are coming back. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be good. Uh, but they do. Yeah, have, well, I mean, like that's the thing. Yeah, you mass had a lot of. I don't know. All right, let's say it's like a 31-28 game. Yeah, something like that, maybe a little lower than that. But, yeah, it's going to be a close game. I think UMass pulls it out. That's their second win of the season. Right, I see. Okay, Liberty? Uh, it's Liberty at home. Liberty is going to be much better this year. And they were they were pretty good last year. <laughs> and we barely beat them. And they got Hugh Freeze in there. They're recruiting well. This is a school that's got, you know, Notre Dame type money at this place. You know everything Not quite is. Not Notre Dame type money, but uh, they have money. It's close. It's a it's it's an immaculate place. They can pretty much pay for anything they want there. So I, they have a lot of good guys returning. Um, you know the quarterback position there is still rough. Uh, the kid had a rough year last year, Stephen Calvert. Um, but he's, he is back. Um, the name that we always all UMass fans will remember, Peyton Pickett. Um, at running back, former UMass running back at Liberty, played well last year. Um, he's back. They have pretty really? Much, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. He played against us last right, year. So that's a loss at home. Yeah, I um, think it's a loss. Uh, unfortunately, and I hate, I hate them. I hope we win. I, 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 last year was ecstatic when we won that game in triple overtime. Um, yeah, and then three tough games to end the year, which is not great at Army. Army's going to be the biggest blowout. You know, we were talking about FIU. Army's going to be a bigger blowout than that. Because they're good this year. They're stacked. They're really good. They beat Houston in that uh, bowl game last year. They scored like 70 points against Houston. Um, so I, I see Army just running the ball all over us all day, possibly getting into the 50s, 60s. My, um, only, my only hope for that game is that Army is coming back from Air Force. Okay, yeah. So, th- so they'll probably have won that game in a in at altitude and you know then you've got like a they probably got a full travel day on on Sunday you know so yeah, like Yeah, but Mitchie's such a hard place to play. No, oh. I know. I just think like <laughs> well, first of all, there'll be a lot of UMass fans there. I mean not a lot, but Yeah, like, no, there'll be a good good UMass crew, but and, and Mitchie's just, you know, those cadets, man. They make a lot of noise. <laughs> so, I, I just think though like maybe that will keep it close for a quarter and lose like you know forty because they're not they're never big like no basically. no they're fast so so they're fast so like you know but we're our, our, you know we have good corners and we've got athletes that on the defense who are small so it could be like a it could be like a thirty five twenty one game if we're lucky. Uh. I'm going. Yeah. I'm going. I'm going bigger blood on that. No, let's one, say 49-14. <laughs> we'll see. I hope. I hope. I hope they can keep it close. We'll see. I don't think so, but I hope. <laughs> All right. So then they go at Northwestern. Or yeah. At, no, at Northwestern, blowout. Pat Fitzgerald, one of the best coaches in college football, in my opinion. 
Um, has you know, Northwestern now, with all the improvements they've made to their facilities, this is a team that should compete for a Big Ten title. If they keep Pat Fitzgerald, should compete for a Big Ten title every year. Um, and then ending the year at BYU, uh, or rather at home against BYU. Yeah, home BYU. So this is a weird one. So BYU has a really, really hard schedule to start the season. I mean, they've like Utah, Tennessee, USC, Washington, at Toledo, USF, Boise, Utah State. I mean, there there's a chance that they could lose like seven games in a row and be coming into UMass just totally. Not giving a fuck. Oh, Kalani Sataki might already be fired by that point. Um, you know, he. he so wait, did they can the guy who lost to us two years? No, ago? no, he's still because he barely kept his job. They got to a bowl game last year, just barely. Um, did they, did they lose a lot of kids? They, they, you know, no, they didn't lose a lot of guys. Um, they have a, do have a, a couple good transfers coming in. Um, I forget who their quarterback's going to be this year. I think it's the same. Oh, Zach Wilson, same guy uh, that came in last year, took over for Mangrum. Um, but uh, you know, and he kicked our butt last year. So wait, was it last year they beat us like fifty-one to nine? Yeah, yeah, that was a rough game. That was the one at uh, at Gillette. Um, oh fuck! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but like I said, this is a weird game because they might be, they might be, they might not care anymore coming into this game. Yeah. So and it's coming to Amherst, which is crazy. I don't know how we got them to come to Amherst. They're gonna but, have, but you don't realize like there's so many BYU fans in Massachusetts. Oh, half the stadium's gonna be BYU fans. No, I I would say three quarters. Yeah. Yeah. If UMass entering, that's the game that the day that UMass Hoops is playing right. up the defending national champs, like yep. uh, an hour and a half from campus, you're trying to tell me that and you're going to have, like, any UMass fans there when you're 2-9? and nine? No, no, it's going to be It's, it's going to be me. It's going to be me. You and, and a bunch of... Me and a bunch of Mormons. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're the only one who's drinking in that stadium. Yeah, that's very true. The beer sales are not going to be great that day. Um, that's going to be... That's going to be a rough one. But I think this is going to be a pretty close game because I honestly think BYU is going to have a lot of issues next year, or this year, I should say, coming into this game. I don't think their head's going to be in it. Um, I, I think it's going to be like a 28-21-ish game. Could it go either way? Uh, just just strictly off the fact that I think they're going to have a terrible season, BYU. All right, so you're basically saying UMass is going to get two wins and maybe a third somewhere, either BYU or maybe Akron. Right. Do you think? Do you think they get to three wins? I think if they can beat Akron, uh, they get to three wins. I think if they lose to Akron, I think it's two. I want to wish that we we beat BYU at the end of the season, but that one is going to be uh, dependent on how BYU rest of their season goes. So, gun to your head, if I say the over-under is two and a half on the year, you, what, what's, your, what's your bet? Under. Okay. Uh, if I, I say the over-under is one and a half. Over. I'm, co- I'm confident we get two wins. Okay. I'm confident we get two wins, and I think if Bell surprises us, um, we can get as many as four. But that's... That's that's the so limit. What are the other okay, so like besides BYU and Akron, as well as UConn and Southern Illinois, the other games that we could win if we played well and some things broke our way would be Coastal uh, and Charlotte. Well Coastal uh, and Charlotte, well yeah. uh, Co- Coastal Charlotte and I I wanna say Liberty, but I really think they're gonna have a good year. And honestly, Rutgers if it was like the fifth game of the season. 
Right. Yeah. No. That that first game, night 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 game at New, in, in Jersey. Ash can't lose. Yeah, we're not winning that. But the thing is, like, if at, if if that game goes into the third quarter and it's like, you know, ten seven, like we're playing with house money. That's true. <laughs> That's true. It, 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 listen. It, I, it's, I mean, this is a one in eleven Rutgers team. Like, this is a Rutgers team that got smoked by Kansas. That got fucking murked by Buffalo. <laughs> I mean, they they are a bad, very good team. Buffalo team, though. That's true. They were a bad football team. Yeah, yeah. I just you know, it's just the size, offensive line. It's 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 still Big Ten size. Um, we're just not there yet. We're just All right, real, real quickly, yep. answer these quick because we got uh, I got some fan questions. Yep. Um, we're just gonna do these as quick as we can because I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of shit. <laughs> um, let's see. We got who's the starting quarterback for week one? Jake Barnes asked. We already it'll be Curtis. Yeah. Established that. Um, Mosby twenty one says. Biggest questions coming in the preseason, and how will the upperclassmen handle the youth movement? Biggest question, I guess I would say, and I'm, I'm, I mean, tell me if you're wrong, if I'm wrong here, is uh, is there enough depth on both sides of the ball to keep things respectable? Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's the biggest question is is, is can we sustain what Walt Bell wants to do? Because yeah, you got a few athletes there. I mean, it's not like this team is like. You know, it's not like the Molnar first year where he was like, they just had no talent other than Bellin and Sharp. Whipple's left it pretty good. You know, we we, recruit, we didn't even talk about special teams. We, we got a kicker. Cooper Garcia can kick the football. That's going to win yeah. us a lot of games. And George Georgopoulos is a great punter. So, you know, you do have guys there that um, that Whipple yeah. has, has brought in. All right, so then um, uh, we, uh, RP Minuteman... Um, says, how many wins would make you happy this season, realistically? You said, like, happy Houston. Me, it's, like, ecstatic is four. Happy, I'm happy with two. I, I, I think it's reasonable. Happy with two. Okay, I'm happy with three. I'm content with two. I'm I'm not really disappointed unless it's zero and they lose every game, like, 63 to nothing. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Like, this is this is Bell's uh, gimme year uh, in terms of, like, you know, this is his pass. Um, I would argue he kind of has zero, for being honest. Money wise, I would agree with you. I don't think they can, they can't afford another buyout. <laughs> no, I mean I just mean like it's like he's bringing in another like thirty new recruits next year, and they're freshmen too. So it's it's like yeah. when you. Um, yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, think the new Chad Miller says. Uh, think the new unis will be fire. Um, I don't think they're going to be too much different. I mean, are, are, is there really is everybody think that they're going to be too much? I, I mean, no, I heard that they're going to make some minor changes. You, you are going to get the uh, college football 150th anniversary patch, which is pretty sweet. I like that. All right, next question. Yep. Uh, this one's from Garbage Tweet Man. With the UConn news, what's the best case and what's the worst case for New England college football? Zach, try to answer Ooh, that in 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Uh, worst case is uh, UConn and UMass decide they, they, they don't want to uh, do this anymore and, and go join the CAA. Um, 
the, the, the best case is that you, you, you work out a deal with UConn and then you figure out a scheduling thing with them and then maybe with, like I said, like with a Mac or Conference USA where you maybe you get a bunch of games. I don't think there's any real chance of them working out a deal to be football only together in some conference. I don't see that. You're waiting until the next realignment happens, which I think is 2023 uh, when the contracts are up, TV contracts. So, you know, basically UMass and UConn now are playing the waiting game uh, for next TV contracts and hoping that um, they get scooped up somewhere, which they we can do. It's not a money issue. UConn and UMass, people will say it's a money issue. It's not. We can afford it. Everything's working. They're doing it the way that they should be doing it, and uh, the money's there. You can wait. Michael Capo asks, when will the construction be completed by the first home game? <laughs> of course, Michael asks that. Um, yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. I've seen some pictures that uh, make me a little nervous, uh, but uh, I don't know if the bathrooms will be done. I think the end zone little tent things that they're going to put up uh, and boardwalk. Uh, they're going to put up in the south end zone will be done. I don't know if the bathrooms will be done. I have seen some pictures. FPN Tadosi, what three says what three players will have breakout years? Oh, uh, Samuel Emelis at uh, wide receiver. Uh, Jake Bisco. I don't. I guess we should consider last year a breakout. I think it's going to be even more of a breakout year for him uh, this year. And then um, Joseph Norwood. I think Joseph Norwood at safety is going to have. Uh, a really good, really, really uh, good year. Uh, McKinney says, to allude to an argument on UMassHoops.com's message board, he says just UMassHoops, but I added the rest in. Does scheduling Liberty legitimize them? Is there a possibility there for a little rivalry, or are they just part of the reality of being independent? I'll take that as well. Um, look, like I've given Bamford shit for scheduling them, and I actually made a mistake in characterizing his position. He at one point said, politics makes strange bedfellows, or something to that effect, and what he meant was basically that, like, what did he say? He, he once explained to me, because we'd all misinterpreted it, and I felt bad I never characterized his position properly. He, he's basically just acknowledging that, like, we have to schedule these games, we don't have much of a choice. Right. Um, I don't like playing Liberty, I don't like what they stand for, do you think that in college athletics you have to try and live your values to some degree? And I, I have pretty, like, I don't get offended by much. Liberty has just, like, abominable positions on gays and on, you know, a lot of things. Um, so I, I don't love that we're playing them. I hope we kick their ass. I don't really want to start a rivalry with them because I, I feel like rivalry – a rivalry, by definition, as much as you might hate a team, it, it confers a certain amount of dignity upon your opponent. You you seldom have rivalries with folks that you just completely disrespect. You kind of, you know, most rivals are, are, are peer institutions on some level. I mean, UMass and URI, UMass is a markedly better institution in all regards. However, you're still dealing with two state universities in New England, so there's a you know, a, a shared, a com, uh, uh, in the enmity, there's a certain camaraderie. Uh, so, I, but I also get it. Yeah, you got to schedule shit for people if, if you want to do it independent. Right. I mean, I look at it this way. Uh, you schedule BYU, 
uh, you schedule Liberty, you schedule Notre Dame, uh, any of the religious schools all have their faults. Uh, right. see, I, see, that's where I just feel like I think Notre Dame and BYU are very, I mean, obviously they're academically prestigious, but like they're also, look, as I always say, you're like more of an atheist. I, I, yeah. I kind of like faith. <laughs> um, I, I think that faith used well and, and with like, in the right way, it can be a tool for good in the world. This is a much more philosophical conversation. <laughs> but that BYU and Notre Dame, for all their flaws, like any institution, all institutions are flawed to a degree, right? But for all their flaws, they, there is a certain, at least, passive striving and effort to do good in the world. Whereas I think liberty is about, it, it's yes. about the embodiment of a certain type of, of just shitty hatred uh, that's very noticeably different than those other two schools, which are, are, are can embody the best aspects of organized religion. Anyway, keep Right, going. yeah, I mean, I, listen, I, I want to play them and beat them. Uh, I, I, I don't personally have an issue with schedule. I hate that what they stand for. I don't like the school. I think it's a ridiculous that maybe that they even have an accreditation. Uh, but, you know, they, they do. Uh, and I, I think, you know, I, I don't mind playing them. I want to beat the hell out of them. I like having a team that I can hate. Um and and really despise and really want to win. I mean, I got so excited last year that we beat them. I was running around the stadium and I'm so out of shape that I like threw up underneath the stands. Um, so, uh, you know, I I I I understand we have to schedule. They're part of the independent conference. If you want to say at this point, we practically have an independent conference at this point, especially with New Mexico State uh, joining now. Um, you know, so. I get your point. I get your point. Um, but I, I want to play him and just beat the hell out of him. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do that this year. Um, but uh, All right, last question. Gaber205, he says, when do we join the Big Ten? <laughs> never. That's never going to happen. I know Steve Mazz. 20, 20, <laughs> 2031. <laughs> 2031. Uh, no, it's just – we don't have – there's no way there's ever going to be an infrastructure – uh, that the Big Ten would ever be happy with in Amherst. All right, it's 12. It's after midnight here, <laughs> and uh, we've gone for almost two hours. Go support five college movers if you're moving anywhere. Uh, thanks to them for sponsoring the show. They do great work. Deals, if you want to, you know, they're, they're just highly regarded in the area. Follow their Twitter. They have a good Twitter account with uh, bringing UMass gear at all the games. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and we will talk soon. All right, cheers.